Good Monday morning, Monday afternoon, I should say. Welcome to a football show. His name is Zach. My name is Braden. We are brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. We are less than 24 hours away from embarking on a journey to Kentucky to consume bourbon, Zach. And I am partially excited and partially terrified all at the same time. You, you don't think you're ready for it, so we'll, we'll see. But I don't know if you can be... Uh, strictly you know ready for a bourbon testing slash epic um i guess journey up uh, to the bourbon trail but at least you don't have to drive so that's that's yeah. a big thing no no uh and it's exactly sinker's plan right uh, they they will deliver the booze directly to your house uh if you just search sinkers on uber eats that's what they'll do for you zach yeah they'll they'll drive so you could drink there you have it. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow. And we'll give you some more details on that plan and what exactly I am terrified about. So uh, we're also going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins, of course, today. Nashville and the Titans rolling out the red carpet for the free agent wide receiver. Are they negotiating against themselves? We will discuss. I'll ask Zach and get his answer on that. Are we concerned about all of the reports for, I guess, a while now about his practicing? I have a very clear answer on that. And then we're going to spend the vast majority of the show today discussing Titans that haven't been discussed, which is forgotten players that are critical to this team. Not that anyone's actually forgotten, Zach. All these players, every every fan knows all these Kind of like under the radar, which uh, Stoney yeah. has his own list over at stackinginbox.com uh, this morning. Um, but it was something that I got inspired or thinking about last week. And then just so happens, Stoney, I guess... Uh, was thinking about the same thing. It's kind of scary that sometimes we are on the same wavelength, even if we do not talk. Yep, uh, that, <laughs> that is clear. Stackingtheinbox.com. Subscribe right now, of course, for all the best content for your Tennessee Titans in the written form from Zach and Co. Uh, over there, of course. And uh, we told you about Sinkers, Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. No construction is happening at my house right now because you want to know why? Because one of my guys used to be at the Kingston Group. Did a small project at our house. Did it, it built an entirely new wall and new door frame in a week for us. Wow. And did the whole thing in a week. Had all he managed all the crews. And I and and this is a guy who worked on our carport for, for us when we had the Kingston group uh, working on our house. No, no noises today on the show. It'll be clean and clear. No noises today because they finished their work so freaking fast uh that it's already done basically. Now I'm waiting for a painter now to come finish the job. Also. My guy, Austin, in charge of all that, too. I don't have to worry about any of it. And the wife is very, very happy, Zach. So Kingston Group. That's what matters most. The boss is very happy. So uh, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Again, even if they cannot help you with what you are working on, they will help you with what you're working on. That's that's all you need to know. So go check that out. Uh, we'll talk about sort of under the radar, forgotten Titans players that are the most important for this team. Just make sure we cover all of our bases here on the show as we, as we uh, want to do. So that'll be the main... Uh, part of this. I will ask you about the practice thing with DeAndre Hopkins, and then we'll try to explain what the hell is actually going to happen tomorrow uh, on this bourbon trail journey fiasco to Mecca of the brown water. Uh, but let's start with the red carpet, my man. The red carpet started with, I guess, a, a pretty fancy ride with some custom TV screens, and he's posting on Instagram. He's riding through town in a fancy rig, gets downtown, then he posts again, and he's at CMA Fest, and I guess he's watching Tim McGraw, I suppose. I don't, I don't know. I just know it rained a lot on Sunday night, so I'm glad I wasn't there. Um, otherwise, it, you know, the Titans clearly, clearly want this player on their team. There is nobody else in the NFL that has even tried to come as close as the Titans are, at least from an effort standpoint. It may not mean anything, Zach, from a number standpoint, 
but from a like we are going to outwardly show you how much we love you show me the love no one has done it more for deandre hopkins than the tennessee titans but did they show it the right way? Like, is taking DeAndre Hopkins to CMA Fest the smart move? Because first off, you're showing a Tennessee Titans stadium at over maximum capacity, which he will never see <laughs> in his football playing career. So you already have given him lofty expectations of how Nashville fills out a stadium that will never be filled out by Nashvillians. At least he, uh, at least he knows this though. He's played here every year, you know, almost every year of his career. So almost, he, but it's been a while. I mean, sure, he kind of sure. played. You know, the Marcus years were kind of pretty good, and then the beginning of the Tannehill years, but it's it's dropped off a little bit. That's true. That's true. Um, and then is that the best time to show someone from out of town what Nashville? consists of because that is the epitome of all the worst things about nashville in one place an outdoor concert that just got done raining so you got shitty ass weather you got the worst people coming into cma fest drunk and they're smelly they've been outside all day they're they're rude and it's just a bunch of people listening to bad music like i am sorry Country music has no place in my heart. <laughs> well, well, music that I can like, you know, I get that it's Tim McGraw and then, but I don't know. I feel like that is the worst place you can take someone out of town outside of like literally Broadway because you're having to fight the traffic because I'm sure there's no police escort, right? Like, so you have to fight the traffic to get there. It's just, it's a mess. It's a disaster. I just don't think that that was the right move. So it, this is it's interesting you say this. I think uh, what's fascinating is uh, their country music, as long as it's not like mainstream music row country music, which I would not call country music. I would call that pop, um, to be honest with you. Uh, I like all the outlaw stuff. So I was it's funny that you say that. I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is not from here, though. And Nashvillians. But does he even like country music? Well, like, but this, that's this, also the other thing, right? <laughs> hey, he's dropping Chris Stapleton on his Instagram feed, so maybe he does. Okay, well, that's, there you go. Because that's real country music, not like that's like, he, Chris Stapleton is the guy in between. Chris Stapleton, Marin Morris, Casey Musgraves, probably those are like the three people that like straddle like the the like the outlaw country with the people that I listen to, which is Jason Isbell's brand new record, by the way, is phenomenal. Uh, check like Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, Margot Price. You know, Dave, uh, Dave Cobb produces most of them. Brent Cobb's an amazing artist, like guys that many women that I love. There's only a couple of them that straddle the fence that can go into the mainstream. And Stapleton's one of them. I, I to your point, though, we are Nashvillians. So we are snobs. We hate CMA Fest. We I have very like angsty feelings towards the people that are there and the event and the whole deal. But like the average human being who does not live in and around the greater Nashville area is still obsessed with like the big party. So I think showing him the big party is good to your point about him personally, though. I think what's really interesting is he is sort of a known, um, I don't want to say like fashionista, but like he is a, he's really big into the fashion world, like off the field. So I am assuming that the American flag bandana slash bikini up the crack of some girl's ass is probably not the fashion sense that he searches for when he is out like very high level stuff you know what i'm talking about like european like i Paris mean like let's let's be honest let's just stuff. call it what it is cma fest is not the place you go to see um 
well-groomed, well-dressed people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's basically what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. And so, I mean, so it's, I, I guess, I I guess you're I right. Both. It's about the party. It's about the atmosphere. But that's also like not during football season. Does that, I guess, as a player, if if I was coming to the Tennessee Titans, do I want to go and watch? Like personally, did they even ask him? Like, do you want to go to CMA Fest? <laughs> if they, if if I was a player and I am the same personality but in a more athletic body that's talented <laughs> for football, and they took me to CMA Fest, I'd be like, do, do we have to go? That'd be the first words out of my mouth. Can, I we, I, can we go anywhere else? I do not want to go to CMA Fest, and that's without like that's just. That's just how I've always been. I am not an outdoor concert guy necessarily. It has I'm to be either. really special for me to want to go to outdoor concert. But I've never been a country guy after like Garth Brooks and album like uh, like once he transitioned to Chris Gaines, I think I was out on country music. <laughs> well, again, I think there's real country, which yeah. in the '60s would be like Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings. Like the, when Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis Presley were riding around in a bus in Texas, like that kind of country music. And and then there's like Main Street, Bakersfield, even in some of that. And then there's like mainstream country, which, again, is like bedazzled jeans and and like no one writes their own songs. Like I, that's pop to me. That's not even country. So I think we can I love that debate. We can have that all day and I will win, not with you, but with anybody uh, on on what's real country. So but here's the other thing. He is a southern dude, man. Like let's just be clear. Like he might be a fashionista who is in a very very elite tax bracket, but he cares about the team most importantly, a strong a strong defense, a, a good quarterback, a good offense. Like he cares about the coach, he wants to win football games. That that's what matters more than all of this and mostly the contract, let's be clear. But he is from the southeast. He is from South Carolina. He played football at Clemson. He played a bunch of years in damn Texas. <laughs> like it's not like this guy has spent his entire life in Seattle, right. <laughs> you know, like he's been around the South. And if you're around the South for this long and most of his life, he's pr he probably has an opinion or knowledge or understands that, you know, whatever. And and again, I, I would agree if you're trying to court DeAndre Hopkins or anyone, uh, this probably goes to people who I assume this still applies to dating. I have not dated in a while. I'm not sure how I would do currently if I had to do it again. But I'm assuming you don't take your date to a place they don't want to go. Right. <laughs> That's, that seems seems like dating 101 to me. I, I do like that they, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, but in the video of him riding the bus, they went ahead and jersey shopped him into a Titans yeah. jersey. I thought that was a I thought that was pretty funny. Should have been an Oilers jersey, though. <laughs> do not know why he should have been greeted with Oiler jersey hats jackets t-shirts tennis shoes i don't know what all they got pajama bottoms everything should have been tennessee the houston oilers logo on him and remind him that he gets to fuck over the franchise that fucked him over and by wearing the jersey that they think they own the rights to which is erroneous they do not have the rights to those they do not and they should they should just it should have been like Nothing Tennessee Titans should have all been Houston Oilers just because I think that there is a part of the competitive spirit in players that truly would have appreciated it. 
And we already know that he really, like a lot of the Houston players, including J.J. Watt, really want the Houston Oilers stuff. And to be able to get something that you kind of wanted a few years ago when you were playing for the Texans, to get back at your own team twice a year, and you're going to be able to wear it the first year that comes out against the Houston Texans, more than likely, would be huge. Like, to me, that is a huge, that would be so huge as a competitor and as, I guess, a millennial or Gen XZ, whatever fucking generation we're all yeah, in yeah, or yeah. he's in or whatever, to be able just to troll some troll someone. Like, I, that's some respect. So I, I think, could it have been like next level trolling, like that yeah. second tier? Yes. Do, do I think that they put that in the pitch? And when they talked about it, absolutely, because it's frankly, with all due respect to the flaming thumbtack, the Oilers logos, gear and color is among the best in the NFL. Full stop. No debate among the best in the NFL. The Titans gear, while significantly improved on the previous iteration of it, is still not one of the best looking uniforms, although I do love the dark blue helmets. and I think they've improved it. Um, with that big retro change they did a couple of years ago. Uh, Jason makes a big a point here. I think we're both kind of saying this. Sounds like a business thing to do. I once had to take a publisher to a Preds game. I'm positive that they did not give a shit about hockey. I think that is the case. You are showing them a good time. And in the process of like every now and then touching on business, right? You're like, oh, what do you think about three years with like a void year? <laughs> oh, look, Tim McGraw. There, there he is. Well, he doesn't <laughs> like, have to worry about void years. You know, that's, that's true. I just... It's it's very much like doing a deal on the golf course. I know, or, but is that the, is whatever. that the place you want to do a deal with all the woo well, girls and the music and you know? I mean, what? I, and I, let's I, be honest, the, the Titan Suites are. Um, no, I know. I've been they're, in. They're 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 not that fancy. No, <laughs> I I think it was more like oh, CMFS happened to be going on this weekend. Yeah. He happened to be taking his visits this weekend. Oh, let's let's roll out the red carpet. Let's do it the right way. Show him what we can. Show him that Nashville can throw a big party. And that lots of people also want to be here too. I think it's just subliminal, kind of like yeah. You're, it's like Jason said. I think it's just business. I just like, don't you're not think gonna... it would work for me. I'd be like, if you want to discuss business, we gotta get out of here. What are you gonna take him to like a like a uh, like a hip and take... trendy bar in like WeHo and just party down there? Like oh, I, don't I don't even know where fucking WeHo's at. Which which part of Nashville's calling themselves WeHo? Wedgwood, Houston. That's oh. Weird that is hey, we just call uh, it wedgwood i mean i don't know why they gotta make it so fancy uh no i would just take them to like an, a really nice steakhouse or a really nice private dinner and we go to a, a Stoney, bar sh- like shut that. up stony <laughs> he's one dave and busters um i don't know but there's just a lot better nicer places that you can discuss business and sort of still have fun i don't know it just seems yeah, I agree. I agree. It just seems forced, I guess. Maybe it was, but if you had a great time, it was the exact right choice. There By the way, go. David, all I think about with David Busters is the the uh, the last season of Barry on HBO, where the Chechnyans gangsters are trying to conduct real business at a David Busters. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, if you've seen it, you know. Um, what do you think the chance the Titans sign him? And this will will this be like clowny? taking it until training camp. So aving uh, uh that's a that that is the ultimate question is do you think they actually have the t- right now I would say they have the best chance of anybody if the numbers are right because it I think seems it's very be- clear that they have the best chances. Because they are clearly the most interested and he's taken a visit here. He hasn't really done that with anybody else. The Patriots thing is kind of seems like it's on and off and cold and hot. It's not Cleveland. It's probably not Buffalo. It's probably not Kansas City. So I think there is a good chance if they want to pony up the right amount of money. I, I feel like at this stage, while we're talking about favorites and traveling and all this stuff, 
if there was a third team that was interested, we would have heard about it by now. I, I think so. Because you had the Titans come out, and then you had the Patriots come out, what, like two hours later, three hours later, the, the Patriots said that they were going to bring them in for a visit. Normally, if by then, someone else, if they felt that they were really interested in DeAndre Hopkins, would have thrown their hat in the ring, and nobody has. Kind of like with Derek Carr, right? It was the Saints and the Jets. That yeah. was it. And and we we knew about it. Nobody else got in on it. Nobody else really kicked the can or poked around or anything. It was them two. And it seems like it's that way for for this thing. And it kind of is seeming like Bill Belichick, according to his comments, that the DeAndre Hopkins camp is a little aloof. Well, let me ask you this, because I don't I don't want this to go out of date if you like signs on Monday evening or whatever. Um I just want to know, like, is there a number? Is there anything that all at all would that would that if you saw the news break, Titans have signed DeAndre Hopkins. And then as we get the details, which always takes a couple of days, right, to come out when we get the details that your reaction would be like, I'm not sure about this, because this kind of leads us into our next topic, which and, and AVing asked about, will this be like clowny? It takes till training camp. We also have a Julio Jones comparison to make as well with this. He was constantly injured, different players, which we've done on the show, but. They went and did, Clowney was the big fish, and then it was Julio Jones was the big fish. This, this certainly, you know, from a cost standpoint, is there anything that could come out after the news breaks that the Titans have signed and that you'd be like, no, I don't think we should have done that? No, because the problem is, is that after the news, it would have to be the actual details of the contract for me. I mean, me personally, because that, and that's what you're asking, right? I mean, you're yep. asking for, for my opinion, I'm a wait and see guy. Like it, it could be like if it's they said it was a one year deal and it was like nineteen point four million dollars, I'd be pretty skeptical because I'm like, you might as well just trade it for him at that point because you got right. really nothing. But like if someone if they said, Well, uh the Tennessee Titans have signed DeAndre Hopkins to a one year deal, uh worth up to such and such number, that doesn't really do it for me anymore. I've I've gotten to a point where I've written about this stuff for three years now, contract situations, free agency, trying to educate people. And like, and I break down the anatomy of a tweet. And part of that is up to doesn't really mean shit until you get the numbers in Spotrack or in the over the cap.com. None of this stuff really matters. That's yeah. when you can make the judgment. Now, I didn't make a judgment on Harold Landry because I knew that he was going to be overpaid, and he is overpaid. I don't care what anybody says or tries to argue. He is technically overpaid. But sometimes you have to overpay, and what I say in the article about Harold Landry back when when all this was going down is that sometimes you have to overpay good players. And But I don't see, think you see, have to overpay DeAndre Hopkins because it's a see, totally different situation in that, in that and, regard. And then you see if it works. I mean, I think you kind of said the same thing about Bud Dupree when he signed the contract initially. It's like, oh, this is a guy's a force multiplier. If you get this, then this, then it's 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 he's good, but it's an overpay. But you had to overpay to get him. Turns out the injuries and and he never really returned to that player. And that's just how you that's how you study things after they've happened, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. I do and think we talked about the Titans may have to overpay because they've created this right. massive void at wide receiver. There is a void at wide receiver. Yes. That if DeAndre Hopkins can't can't doesn't for whatever reason does not sign here, that nobody else is going to be able to fill that void by their lonesome. You're going to have to do wide receiver by committee, pretty much. Here's the other thing about them 
they're not negotiating against themselves, but it's starting to feel like they there is some of that. Enrique it says, feels you, that they're in the driver's seat. Yeah, Enrique says, do you think the longer he waits, the cheaper it would be for the Titans? And certainly that, as long as he's like tested every single other 30, all 31 waters, and the only water he really loves is in Tennessee, then the Tennessee is kind of negotiating against itself to some degree. Doesn't mean he's not going to get a good contract, but it but it means that there it could be reasonable and and the longer this goes i would i would assume the better the titans are because that means the fewer options hopkins has i think in theory but again that's just that's just us here which leads us to um sort of this practice thing about him and i have i have one very specific take about the bad the quote unquote bad practice habits the, the reports are of course out of arizona that deandre hopkins doesn't love practice I'm not sure what human being has ever loved practice um, just in general across any sport. Uh, but uh, here's my, I want, I want to see what you think about this, but here's how I would look at it. If, if I'm trying to analyze in a, in a nuanced and thoughtful way, this particular issue, because Julio Jones didn't practice at all. I mean, some of that was injury. Some of that was, he just was kind of off on the other field a lot of times. Clowney was kind of like that, even as a recruit coming out of high school, even as a player in, at South Carolina. Like It's kind of like, oh, he's a gamer. He doesn't love the game all that much. I don't think there's, A, any question about how much DeAndre Hopkins loves the game. But, B, I don't think it's a problem until it's a problem, if that makes sense. I think you have to give him the chance to show Mike Vrabel what he is on a practice field and as a teammate before we say that it's a problem. Does that make sense? Like I, I need to see Vrabel and, and Hopkins interacting and see that like it doesn't work before I'm even willing to think that it's a problem because if he goes out there and plays on Sundays, what, I'm not sure how much Mike Vrabel cares. Well, it, uh, I, it's not because he doesn't like practice because he's on record, literally on record saying, because this, this was back in 2021. He goes, I like grinding. Okay, pause. I love practice, he said. I think a big misconception about somebody like me is just he doesn't like practicing. He he calls himself a dog. He he goes, I have what is called a tightrope in my ankle, and a lot of players don't go out and perform very well after that, he said. I've had it in there for three years. So this is back in 2021, so he's had it for three years prior to 2021. And that's a for those that don't know, it's a type of ankle surgery that uses a cord instead of a screw to mobilize the ankle. It allows more natural motion. And basically, he gets to rest and he takes rest days because he's managing his ankle load. He goes, if I can go out there and compete every practice, we go full pads. I'm the guy to be the advocate for that. For me, I just like playing football. I like competing. It's not a competitive issue. It's not a laziness issue. It's not a diva right. issue. It's a smart management of prolonging one's career issue. Which is I, totally different than Julio Jones, yeah, by the way. or or Jadavian Clowney, even more different than yes. Jadavian Clowney. Um, Aving says a great makes a great point here. Vrabel knows him very well. I mean that that's absolutely true. Like, there's no reason Tim Kelly, like for Christ's sake, like all these guys, Charles London, Pat O'Hara, these, they like yes, all these guys know him. <laughs> like they know exactly what he is. So to me, it's like not an issue until I hear like Mike Vrabel three times in a row, three weeks in a row, saying, "Oh, well, we need some eight to four players at wide receiver." You know what I mean? Like unless he says one of those cheeky kind of Mike Vrabel things at a press conference where he's alluding to a guy, maybe not being around as much as he needs to be, which he's done very clearly in the last couple of years. I, I just don't like, to me, it's one of those where it's like, it's, it's not an issue until it's an issue. 
And right now, to me, it's not an issue. I also think at 31, you earn the right to to sort of, especially in this situation where they're clearly courting you. Like, I, I assume that if they sign him, everything is going to be, everyone's going into the situation with eyes wide open. Well, you know, Danico Autry does is famous for skipping a lot of practices and not really skipping. It's the wrong word, but he's not there taking full advantage of uh, full practice. He's not a full participant a lot of times, which is which is fine. He's older than DeAndre Hopkins and he's earned it. I, you know, I am taught I am toying around with the idea of right now that Danico Autry to make room for DeAndre Hopkins. I think people need to talk about Danico Autry extension. Like it frees up four extra million dollars that can go towards the Tennessee Titans salary cap. And that seems like a really smart, prudent move to just add one more year to Danico Autry's contract, which is a guy that is still playing at a high level despite not for practicing. <laughs> yeah, for, for now. now. And look, if he one year he can't do it, if he sucks this year for whatever reason, you can cut bait. It's not like it's a, the end of the world that you cut bait with him next year. But you, you- you have enough. You have enough cap space. Yes, to make, you have make enough cap moves. space. Yeah. I mean, like there's, there's so many different moves that the team can make to make room for DeAndre Hopkins. That's not the big issue. This idea, I, I'm, I'm sorry, and Tim, maybe we'll talk about. You know, I'll beat it into Tim's head tomorrow at the on the Bourbon Trail. Not literally. Because I wish I could be maybe literally. We don't know what's going to happen when we get bourbon in us. Listen, I wish I could be excited about the chance he comes here, but being burned by Julio and Clowney has soured me on big name signings, and I understand that. But the you got to look. I I wish Titans fans, and maybe this is not just Titans fan specific. I wish everybody would treat every situation in a vacuum. It's very easy and convenient to compare DeAndre Hopkins to Julio Jones, Andre Johnson, you know, all these guys. But in reality, he is none of those guys. He's not Jadavian Clowney, even though they're both former Texans and they're both in the middle of the offseason looking for a home and free agent being courted. There's, yeah, there's similar situations or similarities, but the players themselves are just totally different. And DeAndre Hopkins is still a plus player on the on the borderline of the right side of his career. And I think he's I, on the I think he's on the line. Yeah, he's right there. I mean, yeah. now can he prove us wrong and and change aspects of his game or adjust or be something in this offense that kind of prolongs his prolongs his career? Sure. But if you're talking about you got to look at what is best for the Tennessee Titans team in 2023 is signing DeAndre Hopkins. And to say, you can't sign DeAndre Hopkins, because and this is not what Tim is saying, but this is what other people have said. You can't sign DeAndre Hopkins because he hates practice. You can't sign DeAndre Hopkins because look at what happened to Julio Jones. Well, there's no trade compensation. We don't know what the compensation for this is going to be. Someone said that it could be like a two-year, $10 million guaranteed, but $20 million uh, over the course of the entire Do it. Do, do it. it like, yeah, like right it. i mean at yeah, no, some i agree point, i agree at some point we have to treat every <laughs> we can't rely that the tennessee titans just have bad luck no matter what like oh. no matter what the tennessee titans cannot sign a wide receiver because they've always sucked at finding a second wide receiver oh oh by the way it isn't the same person making the decision like if you want to talk about those two major decisions it, it's i understand tim to your point i understand and you kind of just said this 
the human instinct to compare things that are similar. Like I get that. That that's that's how we work as people. But it's not the same person deciding to pull the trigger or not. It, like part of the reason John Robinson isn't here is because he made those decisions. I will say, however, to most of you fans listening, not necessarily you, Zach, but most fans listening, most fans were gagging for Jadavian Clowney and were thirsty AF for Julio Jones. Like they love the idea when they got them both. So if you if you loved it at the time, you can't come back later and be like, oh, that was a terrible decision. Like, well, no, it turned out to be a terrible decision. And you can be you can be sort of jaded by that. But that was John Robinson and another coordinator and another like it was a different time of Titans football. You have to trust Rand Carthon now to make a different decision or the best decision, whatever it may be. And and Jason makes the great point here. It, it just needs to be better than our current number two. Yeah. And DeAndre Hopkins is definitely better than your number two wide receiver. By on this a roster. large, right. large margin. So if you if you can figure it out and you're close enough on the details, you make it work, you try it. But I also want everyone to acknowledge, like you just said, now before it happens, this is what we're risking. Because I think there's just as much injury issue with DeAndre Hopkins as there was with Julio Jones. It guys, missed 15 I, I think games. there's less. I know you've, there's I know, less. I know you've, you've made that point. And if you want to hear that point, go listen to that. Also, you make your point, but I, no. you can't reference your point. No, I'm going to move on. I'm just going to say he's missed a ton of time. And if you want to go listen to me explain why I was concerned about that X, Y, and Z, it, you made good points. I made good points. We all make good points. Okay, go, but go listen to that. It, I don't think it's zero. I, I don't think the risk is zero. Like there's right. never yeah. anything that's zero risk. So. I just think we need to be honest with ourselves now that this is not the same player, but it's probably worth it. Let's see what the risk is, the cost is, and if it happens, accept the risk and see what see what kind of good he can create. And that that's it. Like, and then we move on. And I, I, I mean, that I think that's the, all you can do as a fan right now. So it's better yeah, than it's better than their current number two. <laughs> yeah, he's better than the current number two. He's the best option on the market. I mean, yeah. the next best guy is Jarvis Landry. The, it's it's. It's slim pickings after that. He's a whole, he's and, a whole favorite. Really, you know, let, I want to talk about the Patriots just real quick. You know, they have a guy holding out, Lawrence Guy, so they need, won't need money to rework his contract. They have Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne, and the I guess the idea is, is that, okay, one of those guys has to go. So technically you could have Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne come to this team, but that's not really moving the needle. It doesn't. It seems like Hopkins camp doesn't really want to go to the Patriots. They may not sign with the Titans today on Monday as we're recording this. They may not sign with them. But it doesn't really seem like the Patriots are top on their list. And why would they be? Mac Jones, Bill O'Brien. I mean, give me a break. You don't want to go back to that hell hole. You want to go to the guys that you respect. Yeah, I mean. That are, are a lot closer to being contenders in their division. And playoff team like the, the DeAndre Hopkins going to I know he doesn't care at the end of the day it's about money but they don't have a lot of money either so here's the bottom here's the bottom line if he has a feeling about Mike Vrabel a personal relationship or Bill O'Brien a personal relationship of which he has both and one of those is bad enough to not go then we're then that'll be it yeah that, like that's and right now there's no reason why he flies to Nashville does all the posting on Instagram he doesn't do all of that if Vrabel was like a non-starter for him. So it's clearly that's not the case. It, it feels like there's a chance that all that other stuff, Mac Jones and the contract situation and Bill O'Brien and et cetera, 
like how tough that division is. Let's be honest, right? Really good defensive teams in that division. Like there, there's, it could very easily be like, oh, I don't, uh, there's a reason I'm slow playing you guys in new England. Right. Like, he, he's, I think the negotiations are in a good place based on the aloofness of that bill. Belichick has alluded to. Uh, Stony, I definitely had that clowny hog down my throat. Guilty as charged. That's why you listen to the show, folks. Jump yep. into the comments, rate, review, and subscribe. And folks, this is Sinkers and Kingston Group. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. But go to Sinkers and remember the name of the Kingston Group. Uh, okay, let's get into some um, some names of Titans players that have gone under the radar, that are a little forgotten, that we think are going to be critical for this team to be successful in 2023. Again, shop at Sinkers and remember the name of the Kingston Group. So I, I have one name on offense. I tried to come up with names on offense because we've spent so much time talking about the offense. They get all the, the press on the socials and the clicks and the tweets and the likes. It's all the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs and the offensive line has gotten a lot of talk as well. I have one name on offense that I think is going under the radar that I thought had a g- really comfortable week of practice last week. So I'm going to throw that in there. And I want to see if you have the exact same one, because it sounds like you're in the same kind of range of, of names. Okay, so who you got? Aaron Brewer. Uh, no, he's been talked about a lot. So I, I I don't think he's very forgotten. He's been talked about in a hateful way, but he has been talked about a lot. And in fact, I need someone, someone please, that has a press pass. Someone please. I don't know. I've asked this before. I don't know why nobody's okay. done it. I've okay. asked you and I've asked Easton to do it. Okay. Aaron Brewer's coming off the field. You need to tell him that tomorrow or the next media practice, whenever it is, and you need to tell him, hey, Aaron, I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a radio personality who claims that you are not 290 pounds or more. And he said that if you got on a scale in front of him before practice and you weigh 290 or more, he would donate $1,000 to the charity of your choice. We need to make this happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is that, st- is that still the- Is that still yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It needs to happen. Oh, Someone it's, needs it's to do this. It's, okay. So, first of all, where I thought you were going to go with this was going to be wildly unprofessional. This is only mildly unprofessional, but but still unprofessional, but also potentially for a good cause. Yes. So, so there, I think you could, you could probably finagle it. Not exactly the time or Listen, the place. To I do am telling, but... I am telling you, well, first off, I think it should be the time or place to do it because I think Stillman should be embarrassed. Um, but I, I think, cause he, I mean, he talks about it all the time. Whenever Aaron Brewer is brought up, that is the first words out of his mouth that he is a tiny man and they, and that he does not weigh two ninety. And he brings this up because he knows None of you guys have the balls. It's not about. It's not about the balls. You Come think on. it's going to offend Aaron Brewer? No, 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 no. It's about having the right situation to sort of because you have to really lay out the entire situation. You have to be like, no, 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 no. Like, this is what's being said. Yeah, and it's for a good cause. So let me get like he just has to be willing in a what is very a very exhausting situation. Like these players come off the field and and yeah. almost all of them are trying to get past us as fast as possible to get into the locker room. Like they're all trying to avoid, like they're literally like doing this. Like they're like trying to get past and like, Oh, I'm going to hide behind TR tart to get into the locker room. Okay. Right. 
like, like that that's how they're doing it um so I, I i have no problem i have no problem saying that to him it just has to be in the right setting so if i can get a conversation with them we can have a chat i can do a quick interview and then afterward i could probably say hey let, can, do you mind if i ask you a question real fast would you be willing to do this I think I can probably arrange that. So I, all right, I, get it done. It's not, about, it's not about the balls. It's about having like the, it's got to be the right sit setting. For I it. think so, you're overthinking it. I think it needs to be with a, all the microphones in the hand. Say, Hey, what do you think about this? This blowhard? Well, but I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make it about me though. That's the thing is if you do that, what happens is, is you make it about you and I'm not trying to make it about me, uh, but, but let me, let me go back to the reason we were having this discussion <laughs> in the first place. Either way. I don't think he's very under the radar. So I would say this, though. I don't think I read or heard a single thing about him all week practice last week. And me and somebody were sitting there on Thursday at the very end of the practice week and kind of looking at each other during a red zone drill. And we both looked at each other and we kind of just said, you know, Aaron Brewer looks a lot more comfortable at center than he does at guard. And I'm not sure I heard anybody say anything about it all week last week. I didn't say anything about it last yeah. week. You well, didn't say anything right. about it last week. Well, I mean, I didn't. You didn't tell me that he was looking good at practice. But, it, but it's one of those things that I hadn't like. It, it's not like that he was. It, it wasn't like markedly better or anything. He just looked comfortable. And we know what his problems are at guard. He can get overpowered at times. His size can be an issue. It's less so at center. And I think his move to center. The Titans are clearly signaling with the $4 million uh, tender offer that, that they clearly believe in his ability to play there. I would, I would guess that he is a step down from Ben Jones at the start of the season and that maybe eventually grows into somebody that's be better than Ben Jones. I assume that's their plan. So I think it's a pretty critical piece on an offensive line that is completely unproven. And we did not talk on this show in at least four episodes, two full weeks. We have not talked about Aaron Brewer at practice. And I was thinking through guys that, you know, who could I bring up that we need to mention that's important that I, and, and then I started thinking about watching him. I was like, Oh, okay. I think I actually saw a guy that was clearly more comfortable as a center than as a guard. And that's a, I guess that's a positive sign for, for Aaron Brewer in the offensive yeah, I line. I see that. I mean, I could see that basically the media isn't wanting to uh, eat their, eat their crow after bad mouthing everything surrounding Aaron Brewer all off season. So there it's, and also centers kind of a position that can get overlooked at times if you're not fumbling the snap. So I, I, I can see that. They're kind of under the radar. Okay. All right. Um, we got? Uh, I'm, I, this doesn't feel like it should be under the radar, but it feels like he's Derek, not Derek a lot of play or anything. It's And again, kind of like Aaron Brewer, he's a position of importance, of obvious importance, but nobody's really talking about Andre Dillard. And and I've don't understand if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's like, hello, left tackle is pretty important for this team. We should be getting like weekly or daily updates when you guys go of how the left tackle position looks because it's the most important position of need on this offensive line and for the quarterback to find success. And no, it's kind of like Aaron Burr. It's kind of like everybody's like, well, we badmouthed this offensive line, and until they go out and put up zero sack, sack, sack allowed performances in the regular season, we're just not going to give them any flowers. I, I, so I think it's similar. Follow me here. I think it's similar to Titans fans being scared of signing DeAndre Hopkins because of Julio Jones. Is that they're just scared that they've been burnt by the offensive line, like rotating door of offensive linemen for so many years that they're scared to let themselves be optimistic about it. And I actually, honestly, 
He's very athletic, but I have a lot of questions about the power holding up against the best power edge rushers off the left side. Like he didn't start as a first round draft pick for a reason. Uh, it doesn't mean he's not going to be good. It doesn't mean Mike Vrabel can't and Haas can't develop him into something good. He certainly has the athleticism to be good. Uh, you also can't like the only thing, and Tim kind of mentions this, no news and OTAs in minicamp for offensive line is good news. Like the only lineman I remember jotting notes down last week on were, were Jalen Duncan because he got blown up twice. So like Diller didn't have any bad plays, but you can't tell what's a good play without any pads on. So I think you're right to point him out though. Like I, we didn't talk a lot about him last week or the week before. And I think it's an even more critical position than center. So I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like he's kind of it, the whole surrounding, I guess the whole narrative surrounding Andre Dillard is that, well, he kind of stinks because, you know, he got benched for, didn't win his job back from a seventh round rugby player. Let me say something. That rugby player, that converted rugby player, is fucking amazing. Like, yeah, he's, he's an like an elite level, <laughs> damn good offensive lineman. Yeah. But also, he, Andre Dillard only lost that job because he broke his hand or his arm. He didn't lose it because of you know, anything outside of injury. Did he win it back? No, but at that point it was so far gone yeah, that yeah. there is no coming back from that. I, I think, and, and I don't want to speak for all Titans fans, but this is just me. I, I, I think Daniel Brunskill is a stabilizing force at right guard. I think Peter Skaronsky is going to be a plug and play 10 year player at left guard. I think Aaron Brewer is more comfortable at center than he is at guard. I think NPF has work to do, but has a lot of skills at right tackle. And I think Dillard has a lot of skills and some work to do at left tackle. And all that to me adds up to, I think they're significantly improved, but I need to see it before I believe it. And that's just, uh, that's just my honest analysis of their starting offensive line. See, I don't have to see it because Dennis Daly sucks so bad. Like if you watch a full 16 games of Dennis Daly last year, I think you could safely say this offensive line is better. Like that yes. to me, like, a that's just what I keep going back to when I when I look at win totals and this and that and it's it's something I'm going to ask Mike this week I'm going to kind of corner him like a wild animal make him admit that this team is better than the team no last no year. like I completely agree with you that they but, are better my question is how much better but like, it doesn't it if you go back and look at Dennis Daly's performance doesn't it just have to be like three sacks less better for it to make an for oh, it to make an impact on this team. And that is the point. Yeah. I mean, th that, that's not, well, I'm not asking you to answer it, but it, that's, that's just the, the theory behind it is that Dennis Daly obviously got Ryan Tannehill injured, right? If that one play didn't exist, aren't we talking about a different Titans team last year? Yeah, I could see the argument there. I could see yeah. the argument. I think that the offensive line was largely a sieve for most of the year. Yeah. Um, and I and, don't, and it, listen, it's just, we talked about it in uh 2021 yeah 2021 <laughs> right that was the historically yeah, bad yeah, defense yeah, yeah, here yeah. that the defense didn't have to be elite it just had to be not the worst the offensive line is the same situation i i wh where would you like oh i, I not not based if it, on if it's in like listen if this offensive line was ranked 24th last year 
instead of the bottom of the barrel. Okay, that's what I was this gonna this team would have won like two more okay. games. So like, if, hypoth- if hypothetically they're thirty one or whatever, what you know, whatever. yeah, they were not, like thirty one or thirty two last year. If they're not based on not based on metrics, just like generally, yeah. like they're like one of the worst three yeah, offensive and, and, and lines. It is in based league. on metrics too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so as long as yeah, as long as they're like, listen, if they would have been twenty seventh or twenty eighth they still would have been like one game better than what they were last year. Like that's how bad that offensive line was and prevented the offense from doing things. Yeah. And the offense was already hampered by Todd Downing. If, which is if also, they go, if they go we're on a totally 30, different thing. No, I know if they go from 31 to 21, they can that, win. That's the division. Huge. They can win. They can to, win. The to division. Me, that's, that's, that's almost unrealistic. Okay. Okay. That's huge. That would be great. That'd be great for this team. All right. Do you have another half a player that you told me about yeah, you wanted to talk about on we offense? We kind of talked about him, but I do think he's very important to this team, and that's Trevon Wesco. It doesn't yeah, feel like haven't... nobody's really talking about Trevon Wesco enough, and that's because he ain't fucking practicing, which is a bad thing for this team because if he's not your blocking tight end, that means you're taking a step down theoretically to Kevin Rader as your blocking tight end who's not as good as a blocking tight end when you need him, which then hinders your offensive line. Or you have Chig or Josh Wiley who need to be out there catching passes and running routes in their blocking. It could also be a little bit of a good thing, but I feel like because then you can have Chig and Josh Wiley as kind of like you could do more stuff because if they're blocking well enough, do you then you could do more stuff out of the formation. But th- this is an important role for this Titans offense, and it has been, I don't know, God, Craig Stevens, maybe even further back than that. Three uh, or four coaching staffs. Yeah, like, this is such an important role, and I feel like he's very under the radar. So he's, while he's very important to the success of this team in a less of a way than, like, Chico Conquo is, but this is still a very important role that he's being a little under-discussed. I, I would I would agree, and what I would say about, and I would add one more layer to what you're saying, because I'm agreeing with everything you say, basically, that it's more important than we've been talking about. It's a pretty critical role that not just this coaching staff, but like every coaching staff in Titans history has has valued, and they think they've found the next Craig Stevens in, in, in Wesco, which, again, all statistical data points to one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL last year. So I think what's interesting is it also changes the roster selection process if he is fully healthy and on the team, because they're not going to carry a fullback like they did a lot of times over the last two seasons. If they have him on the team and he's healthy, it gives them a chance to go more dynamic with a fourth tight end, maybe a, a, an extra, an extra lineman, possibly a, a sixth active receiver, whatever it, the number might be. Having him gives them more flexibility because you're just not going to carry a fullback then. Like you don't need one at all. And so, and they've, and they had a fullback a lot last year on the roster and active. So I think it, it changed. It, there's a ripple effect, but I like that. Uh, Sinker's beverages, of course, is who brings you this great show tomorrow. We, Zach and I, and two lucky listeners, unlucky listeners are headed up uh, on a bus from Sinker's beverages in East Nashville up to the bourbon trail. We are headed to Bardstown area. We're going to wild Turkey. We're going to pick out the Russell reserve barrel pick for sinkers in 2023. They are a award-winning liquor store. Bluegrass, their sister sister store up in Hendersonville. So if you're in the North area, make sure you go check that out. Um, but they were Nashville's best liquor store. And this is why they do stuff like this for you, the, the, the consumer. Go sign up for the in-crowd, of course. And uh, we'll, we'll take bets on who and how often people will be vomiting on a Tuesday, a work day, 
which is really, really dangerous uh, to start at 730 in the morning. Uh, also, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. We love you very much. Thank you for all the great work that you've done in this city. Just remember the name, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Before you make any big decision about your house, make sure you give them a call. Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Let's get to the defense because I wrote down like six names on defense when I started this process out. And almost a, a lot of this is due to injury. So I want to be clear on that. But that's also why they're out of sight, out of mind from last year's team to some degree. Um, do you want me to just rattle them all off? You want to go one at a time? You want to alternate? How do you want to do this? Let's, let's alternate. Okay. I'm going to start with Amani Hooker. Uh, I think Amani Hooker is the name I would start with. Um, not he, he missed uh, eight games last year. They were three and six with him. They were four and four without him. So do with that information what you want, what you will. Uh, but I think he is, because of depth, because of they want their secondary to be versatile, I think when you pay him the amount of money they paid him, to say that you are a critical key piece of this defense moving forward, he is too important to, to not be on the field and healthy and rangy and making plays and doing the things they need him to do so that they can change their, their personnel scheme on the back end as much as possible. Amani Hooker is a guy that hasn't gotten a lot of talk in my opinion, he was very stable until he got the contract and then he missed a bunch of games. He has got to be healthy this year and he's got to be out there in all 17. And I think he and Bayard form one of the best safety duos in the league if they are both on the field at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Adams did a really good job filling in for Imani Hooker, but he is also injured and probably further behind on his recovery. So he's not really an option because then you're talking about guys like Josh Kalu and these undrafted free agent safeties that are getting looks and possibly Elijah Molden playing out of position, even though it may be a position that he's comfortable in. So I agree with you that Amani Hooker is not being talked enough. It's kind of like to me, Amani Hooker is your defensive backfield version of Harold Landry. You know, he got paid and then he wasn't really around for 2022 after he got paid, but he, he he's obviously already at practice and a lot further along and his position. I, I assume is a little bit easier for him to get back in the groove of things because he's out there doing other things other than what Harold Landry's doing. So to me, he is a super important piece and he is a guy that's not being talked about enough. And it's really odd. He's kind of like everybody else. The only time people want to talk about him is like, well, he just got paid, and now he's an overpaid safety. Well, and I'll, I'll say he wasn't this even overpaid when he got the deal. Everybody talked about how great of a deal it was. It's right. total opposite of what Harold Landry's discourse was. I will say this: we, you know, we were joking earlier about Brewer coming off the field and grabbing him. Imani Hooker has take every practice that I've been there. He has stopped to talk to a lot of people, and so I think he sees how Kevin Byard acts. Like he sees how Kevin Byard has put himself into this role, and. I think he's more comfortable in that role, being a vocal leader of a defense. He's been around longer than everybody else, really, in that secondary, for sure. Um, and so I think he's very comfortable in, in being that player. But now he needs to be on the field every week. Like, he's got to be there. I just think he's such an important piece. I actually will – I'll package – I'm going to piggyback one right here real fast with Elijah Molden because I think Molden is a really, really important piece. But I and feel he, like he's not flying under the radar. No, I don't think he is because of the change in position. And I will, because they've been playing him at safety and everywhere else, like people have talked about that. So I, I, yeah. that's why he's not like the first mention. But I do think they are training him to be the next safety when Kevin Byard is gone. Like in two yeah. years or whatever it may be, 
I think they want Elijah Molden to be their safety long term. I agree. Why is no has everybody forgotten about Arden Key? Like, mm. doesn't it seem like Arden Key is not getting enough uh, talked about enough? Because you know, I I talked about it a little bit with Mike last last week in regards to Harold Landry. Harold Landry has always needed someone on the opposite side of him for him to be successful. Can Arden Key be that guy? I mean, you would think so. And you know, one of the questions that I'm kind of tossing around out there is. Is Arden Key's penchant for availability going to outweigh what Bud Dupree was as a force multiplier? Because can he get more sacks? And because he's available, does that make does that ease the load off Harold Landry? Other than Bud Dupree gets like you know what three sacks or something like that. Like, does that availability matter to this team? And is it being talked about enough? The addition of Arden Key as the only free agent so far that is really guaranteed a second year on this team. Like we don't talk about his contract enough, but the way that his contract is constructed, he's at least here yeah. for two more years. Everybody else can kind of get at be done with their deals after this year. It's funny that you went with Andre Dillard and Arden key. Cause like, I think Daniel Brunskill is the least talked about human being on the entire team. Uh, but I, I had a tough time looking at new free agents and and not because like we did an entire like three episodes on those guys when they yeah, signed. But like, since then, no, it's I agree. Like, I, I, Aziz Al Shaheer, I would never put on this because he's all anybody talks about and all, <laughs> you know, because he's great. But it seems like Arden Key is just kind of like forgotten. I think the key and I, the key, the key. Uh, we we've had we had this we did mention him a couple of times in terms of what he brings this class what yeah. this class brings to the table, which is a lot of personality and a lot of energy, which is Al Shair, which is Sean Murphy bunting, which is Arden key. There's a lot of vocal Arden key is the most vocal of all of those guys on the practice. Really? Field. See, wouldn't know that. Absolutely. And, and, and the, but they all are, they, they all are, have big personalities like Chris Harris. They're all sort of talking the whole time. Jeffrey Simmons, as I mentioned last week on the show is more talkative. Now they're all kind of in that mold. And I think key it, it I, it's, it's again, like there's no way to see a guy make a play at that position. Like the offensive and defensive lines are so hard to see somebody stand out. Whereas with you watch, when you watch one-on-ones and wide receivers and corner, like you can see who won the battle every single play. And it's very difficult to see that stuff. But I, I wrote, like, I didn't write down any, any free agents because I thought we've so we spent so much time on them, but you're right with Dillard and key since camp started or practice or OTAs or mini camp, both of those guys have been fairly, surface level conversations um but they're asking a lot of key to to play that that Dupree I, role I look at sure. it as you know like to me I look at it as when I was making my list as guys that should be talked about more in the discussion when you're talking about the outlook of this team I feel like these guys and and I feel like the guys you mentioned too aren't really being talked about as their availability or their production is so key for this team to be successful. Cause you, you mean when you're talking about being successful depth chart guys, yes, they need to be good, but it's really hard yeah. for them to make an impact. As long as these guys are staying healthy and doing their job. It's like yeah, yeah. to me, an under the radar, I guess, talking point, which kind of falls into forgotten Titans. And I mentioned him earlier today is the health a healthy Danico Autry I, I, is is so huge. I got Danico Autry right there. 
Like Vinny it Godfrey. feels like nobody's talking about him, and that's why Vinny I say Godfrey. I don't understand why he's not being extended. And I feel like nobody's talking about him other than using him as the as an example of well, Kevin Byard. You know, he he. We know Danico Autry can miss practices. Why can't Kevin Byard miss practices? I feel like right. that's the only time we talk about Danico Autry. We don't talk about his particular impact on this defense since he has signed his contract. We never talk about that this year as an outlook. It's like everybody's written him off as an old man. He uh, he does look a little older at practice. I will say that. Just I don't know if he's grew. He, I think he grew out his beard a little bit, and he's got the yeah. the hair growing out. So he just kind of looks a little bit more uh, seasoned. Let's call it. Um, he he missed weeks twelve through fifteen and week seventeen. He missed five games. The Titans went zero and five yep. in those games. And I I think in my, close my que- games that a uh, player yes. of Danico Autry's caliber can make an impact in. My question about Danico Autry is about where is the where's the end when when is the when is the the cliff and if it is it a cliff or is it like a slow decline is it like a little slope is it a bunny hill like what what actually happens when he starts to trend that direction uh, he is one of the toughest dudes you will ever see <laughs> on a football field but he he is the old man of the group for sure and there's going to come a time where his game is not the same and the question is when is it and how much of an impact does it have? Do they have people behind him? So I, I've got my the top two names on my list were Amani Hooker and Danico Autry because no one's talking about how important they are on the they have to be on the field for this team to win. They have to be on the field. And I tell you another guy, and I know you get probably got one more, but this will be my last one, and then I'll let you let you go. Um I I think this is kind of the guy that I thought of when I came up with this topic, and that's Chance Campbell. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that while he may not start, you cannot rely on Monty Rice to fill the Zach Cunningham kind of board or role and stay healthy. And I think that you're talking about a player that was on the upswing last year before he got injured, who is a super athletic SEC level starting caliber inside linebacker that has good instincts in the run game may he doesn't maybe doesn't have the play strength but he's super athletic and smart and instinctual and when you talk about playing fast this is a guy that no everybody's seemingly forgotten because of injury and i think chance campbell is going to play an important role in this defense to where his presence can help the Titans either maintain a lead or get a stop at a crucial moment. So I, I, I completely agree with Chance Campbell, I think. And I think Wyatt wrote about him. Um, he did I, actually I today. Like, I was like, I think today. Yeah. So, I was like, so well, of course, you know, everybody's going to think I got it from Jim Wyatt, but clearly being talked about now, Zach. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I, like, I don't like, does Harold Landry count as a guy that we're not talking enough about? Because I think, I think so. Like, I don't think I don't we're know. talking. I, I think people are just not talking about this defense enough. And I know Mike wrote about that last week, but I don't think that people really are truly understanding. I, I, I do, but I don't think people do understand the true ceiling of this team this year. And I think they're seeing a seven game win streak or losing streak last year. Where they're, none of these guys seen, played. Yeah, where none of these guys played, by the way. And yeah, they're seeing yeah. a um, Ryan Tannehill's back. They didn't do anything fancy with the wide receiver position. This defense has a chance to be really, really, really fucking good. And I know that's asking a lot, but there's a lot of key pieces that were banged up, injured, or unavailable 
yeah. throughout that whole season. This this team is going to be a lot better than what people think, and I think these guys, especially that's why most of our guys are on the defense because I think defense is no one's talking. No one's talking about it. Yeah, nobody's talking about it. So I think the conversation, and it's kind of like to me, it's what should the conversation be? To me, it's yeah. like Hooker's more important than people realize. Danico Autry, everyone knows he's important, but like when is the age thing going to affect him? To me, the conversation around Harold Landry that no one's having is that his ACL happened at a different time than oh all gosh, the other so long than, ago than all the other ACLs that we've dealt with. Whether it's Bud Dupree, Robert Woods, Caleb Farley, Dylan Radens, his ACL happened on September first, I believe. So the idea is. When we say it, sometimes it takes a guy a year and halfway through the next season to get back to it. Well, normally that's a 12 to 13 month window. Well, we're almost to that 12 month window for Harold Landry. So the question is, does it, it, it shouldn't take him a half a season to get up to speed. It might take him three preseason weeks of practice and maybe like a game or two. But by like the middle of the first month, Harold Landry should be back to being at full speed. And so that would be 13 months. Like October 1 would be 13 months. It takes roughly of players of his size at his position anywhere from 30 to 37 weeks to be able fully recovered, right? Not like up to speed, but fully right. recovered. Exactly. Exactly. And he is way beyond that. I mean, we're right. coming up on 52 weeks. So, so he's way beyond that. Yep. I, I, I agree with you because I think that people forget that it was bad. It wasn't in like November. He tore his ACL. It was September, and those couple months matter to his impact on yes. the team and getting up to speed. Yes. The question for me surrounding Harold Landry is how much workload do they put on Harold Landry, which leads me to Rashad Weaver. And I got Rashad Sheed. Weaver. I got Rashad Weaver in down right here. <laughs> We're not talking enough about everybody's focused on the inside linebacker depth or the lack thereof, even though they're not talking about Chance Campbell, even though that that is good that's a good third inside linebacking rotation to have nobody's talking about that they have a three-headed monster plus Danico Autry if you want to put him there a four-headed monster where they may only keep three outside linebackers because Danico Autry can flex it's like you're nobody's talking about these those four players and they're all on your list right I mean like isn't yeah, no, that kind of crazy I I've got Autry, Landry, and Weaver all written down. And yeah. I think I think but they all have different questions. Like I need right. I need to see Weaver step into a more prominent role, develop more game, and be a bigger piece of the puzzle. Landry has to prove that he's overcome the injury fully. Danico Autry has to prove that he can kind of push off father time. Like they all have different questions about each other. And I think what we're doing, maybe maybe not you, but or me, but like the fan base, is they're saying for this team to have any chance to be any good at all and to hit that ceiling or to be optimistic about the season, you have to make assumptions about this group that they are going to be back to normal and up to speed and the strongest part of this team. And some of this stuff is you just have to assume that that's all happening. So we're, we're just going to ignore it and out of sight, out of mind. Like we're going to ignore it. We're not going to talk about Derrick Henry because we don't need to, because we have to assume that he's great because if he's not great, we're fucked. And I think that's, I think that's the key with this defensive front is like, if Autry gets hurt and Landry's not back to health and Weaver doesn't develop and Arden Key doesn't hit, they're in trouble. But the odds are that like three of the five will hit, right? Right. So like if three of the five are back and healthy and good and have hit, then they're in good shape. I, I think the – you're probably right. People are talking about middle linebacker. But I don't feel like they're talking about it enough. 
it's like I, Monty Rice, Chance Campbell. That's fine, <laughs> okay. Right. But Al Shayer is a is a is a free agent. Monty Rice can't stay healthy, and Chance Campbell is a second year late round pick. I I have major concerns. People are obsessed with the offensive line, and they're obsessed with the receivers. I think middle linebacker is just as big a question mark as receiver is. Traylon Burks is better at his job than any linebacker is at theirs. How about that? Yeah, there you go. I, I, I'll, that, so I think there's a the weakest position on the roster is middle linebacker, in my opinion. And I think those – we don't know anything about these guys. Monty Rice, by the way, um, 47 tackles in the last five games last year. I don't know if that's good or bad. He was fourth on the team in tackles. And he's been back out at practice the last two days of minicamp last week. I think Monty Rice has to take a huge step forward or Chance Campbell has to take a huge step forward. Otherwise, I have no Jack Giddens, Jack Gibbons. I don't like that's not an answer to me at middle linebacker. So I have major concerns about that. Maybe that is being talked about. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I have not. I, I am drowned out by the wide receiver offensive line talk that I don't right. hear enough middle linebacker talk. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of talk on this defense that is there's a lot of meat left on the media bone, and maybe they're everybody's just saving it for the uh, downtime of of. of so right team. now, <laughs> yeah, right now, uh, Stoney's right. Weaver is a perfect fit for where he currently is on the roster. That's exactly right. I love I love Weaver as the number three pass rusher to come in and give give him some effort off the bench to spell Landry, so you're not overworking the the new knee to spell Key when he's kind of working his way in. I think. I think there's a chance they're all really good, but there's a lot of questions there. It just, I, I mean, it's it's NFL football. There's questions on every single position. So, um, I, I don't. I think that's basically. I had Hooker, Autry, Landry, Weaver, and Rice written down yeah. as my my defensive guys, and this is to, just to to drive home the injury point that you're kind of making. Um, Amani Hooker, Danico Autry, Elijah Molden, Harold Landry. That is four starting members of the defense hypothetically in week one last year, they missed 45 combined football games last year. I just want to drive that point home that if all of them are back, that is three full NFL seasons. Yeah. <laughs> you are getting back onto the field basically. And so, that matters. Even does. if they're, they're yeah. not the, you know, Harold Landry or Janiko Autry or Elijah Molden that they were in 2021. You know what? It matters that their presence is on the field because they're better yeah. than the alternatives. Yes, yes. Don't don't compare me to the Almighty. Compare me to the alternative. That yes. is that is the line. Uh, otherwise, Bourbon Trail tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned to the socials at F Words Pod at Braden Gall at Four Forty Sports Sinkers Beverages Kingston Group. Of course, sorry Kingston Group that you're involved in this. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna post some stuff tomorrow as we head up there. We got two listeners riding with us. Um, we are going to leave it pretty early in the morning. We are going to come back later in the afternoon. God bless my wife for taking care of the kids. Um, do you imagine there's going to be about six or seven people, three from sinkers, you and me, and then two listeners. Do we think anyone gets sick on the trip? And I mean, from booze. Yeah, I don't think so. I've already had my one throw up of the year. I only throw up once a year, uh, and that's already happened for me. So I'm in the clear. I know I'm definitely not throwing up. Was so. that at the Senior Bowl in Mobile? No, that was the – I didn't get to that throw was, up. That was Stony. That, that was the uh, draft. Oh, that's right. The next morning? Oh, yeah. I was in, also I was courtesy. in hell the next morning. Also courtesy of Singer's Beverages. <laughs> yeah. that that I didn't eat a lot that night, so that won't be the case here. So, um 
I, I have. I, I've I had mine one, so I'm good. I, oh, wow. Stoney says you totally threw up in Mobile. Mm, I, oh, oh I did throw up in Mobile. Drama. Yeah, I did throw up in Mobile. I forgot about that. He's going to set a new PR this yeah, year. So that would be it. Three uh, that would be that's two. That's two vomits and that's that's very uncommon. The only thing that matters in my house is To be who fair, vom- I had to force a vomit in for the draft because I was trying to get over it. Okay. Oh, that's so it's a hangover, one of those hangover yeah. like I need to feel better thing. I, yeah. Uh, Stoney says Friday night the night we walked up on the funeral. I guess you'll know right. what that means. But I don't I don't throw up I guess what I should say, I haven't thrown up in a long, long time the night or day of drinking. Now, maybe I do have to force myself to throw up the next day, but that, you know, that's a little bit different. I, I have to do it the night of to go to sleep. Otherwise, I'll be up all night and I can't go to sleep. So I'll have to do it to get it out because I'm just like the spins or whatever. But all that matters in my house is who has thrown up last, me or my wife. And as of right now, I am on an unprecedented run of success in my household uh, because she's been she was the last one who got sick. And that was like like uh, almost two years ago. So she was the last one that got sick almost two years ago. But I am still the winner because I was before that on New Year's Eve two years ago. So um, all that matters in my house is that I she's the one who last got sick. Uh, her brother's probably listening to this. <laughs> he was there that night <laughs> uh, as well. And uh, that's all that matters. It's been a long time for me. So I'm knock on wood. I'll be uh, I'll be in game shape tomorrow. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, I do think that uh, Tim will fall asleep on the way back. No doubt in my mind. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Tim will fall asleep on the way back. Uh, no, no vomiting. Hopefully, really good meal. And then we'll show you some highlights of like what 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 I'm fascinated to do is actually see what how you go in and pick the like what does the liquor store do when they go up to a, a distillery and actually pick the the one that they think is best for their customers. Like that's a that's a pretty serious decision. So I can't wait to see how it all works, and we'll show you guys how it works and what's going to happen on. On Thursday, Tim says 100% he's falling asleep. He's also a new dad. so that, Yeah, that, well, that's, that's why I put that in there. It's not yeah, because yeah. basically new dad plus drinking will equal falling asleep. You weren't calling a, a narcoleptic. No. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. And uh, stay tuned to the socials for the uh, visuals uh, from tomorrow's trip. And, uh, Tim, we'll see you tomorrow, big guy. For Zach, I am Braden. For Sinkers and Kingston Group, thanks for supporting local business. We'll talk to you on Thursday. This has been a football show.